You know, God, God, you know, a lot of us, well, I don't know, I'll I'll speak for myself. I I always think, God, man, really, what are you doing? When he does some of the things that he does, I'm like, really, why? And then God just says, hey, 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 pay attention. Let me speak to you. Let me love on you. Let me take care of you. You know, God's word is always faithful to those that are faithful to him. And I praise his name because in, in, the dark, in the darkness, God is there. In the light, God is there. And, uh, and today, in this church, in our need, God is here. Amen? So for those of you who don't know, we, uh, uh, our, 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 our pastor, uh, Ed Trenner, uh, just felt it in his heart to, to help us out and uh, help us out by being an interim preacher for us. So that we can get good word from God and just really uh, just get fed, Amen. And uh, I know you guys, we we all have sat under Ed Trenner um, a couple of times, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but every time I hear Pastor Ed Trenner speak, I'm like, wow, I really got to get my acting gear. <laughs> In more ways than one, I, I I went out and I thought I went out to my garage and I pulled out my uh, little uh, road road bike. And I looked and I said, I'm going to start biking like Ed Trenner. I pulled it out and it went, I'm like, yeah, me too. I put it back and I went back into the house and, <laughs> and binged watch something on Netflix. But I praise God <laughs> because God has always given his word. And, and what a better way to get, have God's word but through our own brother, our friend, our pastor, Pastor Ed Trenner. Oh, Joey. Well, I do have to remind you that the first time I rode a bike at 60, um, I said, I'm not an old man, I'm going to prove it. I rode five miles and I wanted to die. Yeah, I, every mile I had to stop for 15 minutes. <laughs> but uh, it just it only took a few weeks couple months and I was able to ride 20, 30. It was just, it was not a deal at all. And in, uh, in nine months, I rode to San Diego. So if you want to be intentional about something, just put yourself to it. Start along the way, however you can do at any moment. And your body adjusts and things move on and, and you just get better. But you got to be intentional about it. And this is the thing this year, right? Okay. I want to see your odometer from your bike. (laughs) They have those, yes. I appreciated your comment that you referred to me as the interim preacher. I noticed in the bulletin it says interim pastor. And I said, now, I want to be careful of your expectations of of what I'm able to do for you at this point in time. But uh, Sunday is yours. If uh, you need to get together, want to get together for something after the service, uh, we're pleased to, to hang around and be a part of life with you. Um, I'm also available by, uh, by phone and by text or emails. If you have something you want to talk about, uh, I'm willing to be a help to you in that. You have uh, a group of great pastors already here. Uh, you refer to them as elders. Uh, the scriptures refer to the elders as pastors, as shepherds. 
So you have a, a group of men who do love you and care for you and uh, looking after you during the week as well. But uh, I'm pleased to be here. Uh, uh, I have said often that I've enjoyed my time with you. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know many of you here personally and seeing what God's doing in your heart and life. And I agonize with you in things that are difficult as well, but I just feel with you in that. And uh, I really enjoy your worship. And Joey, here. I've said that to you often. But uh, for the next uh, few months, uh, we're going to be uh, walking our way through the uh, letter of the Colossians, uh, the, the writing that uh, Paul wrote to the believers in Colossae. And the city of Colossae, if you're not familiar with that, is located in what is present-day uh, southwest Turkey. Uh, it was known as Asia at the time. But um, you're going to find in this letter uh, much encouragement for your faith and your love for God um, and love for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You will hear God's instruction in walking close with him and with each other. And you'll hear warnings of obstacles to your faith and your love and relationships. But consistently throughout this letter, you will see the sovereign grace of God expressed in the life of the Colossians and in all the believers throughout history. Um, I'm going to walk us through the book just um, somewhat verse by verse, but uh, I'm looking at it in sections as we go along. but I think it would be most helpful to you if you get an opportunity sometime before next Sunday just to sit down for a few minutes. It's only three pages, at least in most Bibles. Maybe three and a half pages is the length of this letter. And uh, you could read it in one setting. You get a feel because that's how they heard this message. It was delivered to them in, in, a, in a scroll form. And, uh, and uh, the, the young man, Tychicus, who was there anyway, Get more into my introduction here to you, but uh, uh, he delivered this letter to the um, the uh, the people at the church in Colossae and read it to them. I thought about doing that today as my first Sunday with you in Colossians is just read the text to you, and I thought, no, I'm going to let you do that when you go home. So uh, you had that opportunity. Looking forward here. The letter of Paul to the Colossians. Uh, was written in A.D. 60 to 62 from the prison in Rome. Uh, The Colossian letter, the Ephesian, the Philemon letters, all of these were written at the same time and delivered by Tychicus, first to uh, uh, Ephesus and then to Colossae and to Philemon, who was a member of the church in Colossae. And later we'll find in the letter he would encourage them to also take this letter to the church in Laodicea and have them read it implies to me that it's God's intention that this letter was not just to the Colossian believers, but it was to all believers, and that he passed it on to the church in Laodicea as well. I know, looking back in history, that uh, you know all of this was by God's design, and we have this book and the contents of all those letters. I don't know Paul's mind at the time when he wrote these letters. I know he did it out of compassion for the people and a love for the Lord. Um, I don't know if he anticipated in any sense that this would be bound up in a book with all of history from all the way from Adam through beginning with the writings of Moses uh, up to his time. Uh, But we see this as a letter written, a a short letter 
written to a group of believers that he had never met. The Colossian believers, um, in A.D. 57, this would have been um, somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five years, Paul was pre- before this letter was written, Paul was preaching in Ephesus for two years. Uh, Epaphras, a, Col- a Colossian, a young man from Colossae, heard the gospel in Ephesus during this time. And the Colossians then came to faith through Epaphras, who returned to the city of Colossae and shared the faith that he'd heard in Christ in Ephesus. And um, so this letter is uh, written to believers who are somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five years old in faith. Uh, there's some estimation in all of this, this number I give to you, but it's not ten years. It's, it's a short period of time. They're fairly young believers in receiving this letter. And Dr. Luke uh, described this time in history in, uh, in his writing of Acts in chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. It says, that Paul took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And it was in this context that Epaphras came to faith and took it back to his hometown, and to his people. It's a privilege that God gives to each one of us. Having come to faith, we get to be his representative, his spokesman, to people who've never heard. And for Epaphras, it was the joy of seeing his family and his friends, his people in the city come to faith and a church be established. A world map um, will give us, uh, this area will give us some perspective as well. It's the map of Turkey, uh, the Mediterranean area. And the boxed area that just showed up is the focus of uh, that part of the world that we're going to be looking at. And uh, this is the map of uh, southwest Turkey uh, coming up. You know, it's, uh, it marks uh, uh, Colossae. I think it's the next slide. It's, it's, uh, there you go. Got it. Uh, you'll see on the far right is the Colossae is uh, circled. And then to the left is the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was the central place of, uh, of ministry that took place under the leadership of Timothy for years. And then uh, Paul coming and teaching during that time. But it's 120 miles from Ephesus to Colossae. And it was a major Roman highway, part of uh, the road of conference of commerce during that time. And, um, and it followed the Meander River. Uh, that's the, the word we get, somebody just meandering around. Well, the Meander River runs all over the place, and that's where we get that word. But anyway, it, that was the route between the two cities. And um, uh, that would be like um, if we were in Ephesus to go to Colossae, we would have to find a way to get to the border at Tijuana. That's about 120 miles from here. Or, if you weren't headed south and you wanted to head north, that'd be like finding a way to get from here to Santa Barbara. So you get a little sense of distance between the place, places. But uh, I give you this kind of information uh, that you would understand the reality of the letter that's being written. This isn't folklore. This is real history. This is a real letter from a man imprisoned because of his faith and what he was preaching written to a group of believers who were young in faith. Colossae, uh, 
There's a picture here of the Colossi Hills, uh, just north of what are the Roman amphitheater ruins that are there. Colossi has yet to be excavated. All that's been done throughout the whole Middle East, throughout all the world, no one has touched yet the city of Colossi. Um, and the next slide you have here is a picture of the um, the tell that mound you see in the in, in the just the horizon that's there. That mound is the ruins of the city of Colossi, and they call it a tell, T-E-L-L. And it it gets to be in that shape and form because there's a city, and then in, uh, through battles and stuff it's destroyed, and then they rebuild a city on top of it. And then it gets destroyed, and they build another city on top of it. And so you have generations of, uh, of a city that are piled on top of each other, and it becomes a mound, and it's called a tell. Uh, Jericho is that way. Uh, there's a huge tell just outside of what is the present day of, uh, of Jericho. And there you can find ruins of the wall that collapsed when, uh, when the, the, the people of Israel entered the country and they blew their trumpets and the walls collapsed. Uh, there's... but. It's a tell, and so this is the location. It's there today. Uh, there are there are uh, archaeologists from Australia that are making plans to begin excavating this tell, and uh, I think I would really love being there just to be a part of that one. But the um, that this I show you these pictures again that you would just understand that this is a real thing, a real letter, a real place that we're reading about. And so today I want to look at the first 12 verses of Paul's letter. And it's, uh, I've given it the title of Our Father's Work of Grace. Uh, this is really a theme that pre, uh, uh, dominates all of the letter of Colossians. Um, it's, it's a, the whole letter is an encouragement to the people that God is gracious and God's got you. He's, you're in his control. You're in his care. Um, and in that relationship with him, their expectations of what will come out of our life and what comes out of our life is a measure of our relationship with him. Um, all of these things we'll find will be uh, be true looking forward as we're going through. So I'm going to start. If you have it in your book, there's some place Colossians chapter one. Uh, you might follow along with me as I read. I'll make a few comments on some of them, but most of it I'm just going to read through the text with you. Begins in verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, he identifies this letter up front that he's the one who's writing this letter. It's from him and from Timothy, who was the leader in Ephesus before he was in, in Rome with with Paul. And at this point, the writing of the letter, Timothy is not in Ephesus, but with Paul in Rome. And I want you to note in his introductory statement that Paul's authority, as he speaks it here, Paul's authority rests in God's call, not man. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Somewhere in the sovereignty of God, he cares for his church in his way. There are things that he allows that don't make sense to me. But God in his own way knows what, what he's doing. I do know that one thing is sure of everything that God does, and that is that he has a love for you and me. He has a love for all of his creation. And I know from the scriptures that he pursues each and every one of us 
with that love and does so with passion. And things that come our way and things that happen in our life don't make sense sometimes to me. But they do to God and I've learned in time that I can rest in what makes sense to Him. It's interesting in the scriptures too, it says that the prophets in the Old Testament wrote about things that were going to take place that they would never see happen. But they still wrote and had hope and anticipation that what God had prompted in their head, the visions that he had given to them, would really happen someday. And they spoke of one who would come, the Messiah, Jesus. And he came. And though they didn't experience it for themselves, they lived in that hope. And that's what you and I live in today. God's in charge. And Paul was an apostle. The one who slayed Christians. God brought him to his knees and to himself. And set him forth as a representative of of God to the world. Don't give up on anybody. And don't give up on yourself. All that was free. It wasn't in my notes. So Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. It's a letter to the Colossians. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Let me go back and read that once more. Paul has been praying for them since he heard their faith in Christ Jesus and the love which they have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of which you previously heard in the word of truth. The gospel which has come to you. He began praying when he heard of their faith and their love. A faith and love that came out of the hope. Resulting in receiving and believing the gospel message. Simply the good news. That we may have an eternal relationship with God. Creator through the relationship with God. Creator through faith in his son, Jesus, and his death on our behalf. Paul describes the gospel clearly in the text uh, for next week that we'll be looking at, the verses that follow here. Uh, as you have opportunity, you know, take a chance to read that whole letter. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, Just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Even it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God. Just as you have learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom 
and understanding. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's quite an introduction to a group of believers. I first looked at these 12 verses and I said, I got three or four Sundays here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought, well, I'm going to let you spend time in it on your own and, uh, and grow in this. A lot of this we're going to come back to because Paul builds on these themes in the first 12 verses in the rest of the letter that comes. I want you to see that this letter was written to the Colossians. But it was also written to Norwalk. In the uh, next verse that you have uh, coming up, just uh, joyously given to us. Can you give me the next verse that's uh, in your text there? Here you go. To the saints, faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae or who are in Norwalk. This letter is to us. That's God's intention for us. And I want you to see this letter is not so much as a letter to the Colossians, but it's a letter to you. To you individually and to you as a body. And I'm going to be bringing it in that context as we look at it over these weeks ahead. And uh, that we can have confidence in the fact that God's got us and he's doing a good work in us. And all of these things are true for you because you have too have believed in Jesus, the Son of God, who loved and gave his life for us. The word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul's statement to the Colossians, and that's true for you. We all know and have in God that he is gracious, and what we have in him is undeserved and is a gift. I want to spend the the rest of our time this morning looking specifically um, at verses uh, 9 and 10 and what follows, 9 through 12. I want to look at Paul's prayer, the description of his prayer. What, is, what was it that he was praying for them? And Paul's prayer was that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I thought this prayer was pretty awesome, uh, audacious even, that his prayer for the believers in Colossae, his prayer for us, would be that we would be filled with a knowledge of his will, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. All. <clears throat> We'd be filled, overflowing, <clears throat> 
with the knowledge of his will, <clears throat> excuse me, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I don't think I come close, and I've been around this book for 50 years. <laughs> but oh, that this could be true. I walk away from reading this verse knowing this, that Paul would not have prayed that if it were not possible. We can be filled with an understanding of his will, with spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. I am convinced it's a process. I don't think it happens instantly for anybody. I think it's probably lifelong. I think some people move a whole lot faster than others. I think it all has a lot to do with how intentional we are. But to know that it's possible that I could be filled with an understanding of God's will. How many times do we spend in our life going, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. I just wish I knew what I should do in this situation. I wish how I could get counsel this person or what. I just wish I knew what God's will was. And Paul's praying that that would be true for the Colossians, that they would be full of understanding of God's will. I want that. I think I have a certain level of confidence in that that I didn't have in earlier years in my faith. I think I, my, my bottom line walk away is God's will is what he wants and he's going to accomplish it. But how do I sort that out in the daily work of my life? And I say, when I understand what he values, what's important to him? And I learned that in his book. I learned it some, too, through the experiences of life, because I see the negative consequences of things that obviously must not be his will. (laughs) And I read in the scriptures that we do are in the practice of doing things that are not according to his will. That's why he calls us to repentance. That's why Jesus went to the cross, because there was no way we could come to God, given our condition. But by his grace, we have a relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, we have the prompting of his spirit, who encourages us and reminds us of what his word is teaches and what's important to him, what's the values for him, what are the things that are, that are the priorities in life. We know those from his word. And the spirit reminds us of those things. And so we have access to that will of God. I think you know what it means to be filled with knowledge. Like after a semester of classes and reading and research and writing and tests, you are full. You are filled. I am done. That's how I felt at the end of most of my classes. I was filled to overflowing I was filled with knowledge, and it stayed with me as long as until I finished my test, and then I don't know where it went. Paul says we can be filled with this knowledge of God's will. 
We pray and we agonize wanting to know what God wants us to do. James tells us in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, Ask and he will give it to you freely. Wisdom. Ask for his wisdom. He'll give it to you freely. James 4.3 says we ask and we don't get because we ask out of wrong motives. So somewhere in understanding God's will, there's a motive in my heart that plays a part. The text here tells us that God grants us the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding for the purpose of walking, living life in a way that is an honor to God that is worthy of him. That is an appropriate motive for understanding God's will. What will honor God? What is what action decision can I make that will be worthy of him? That'll help, help me make that decision of knowing what God's will is. <clears throat> but Paul in his prayer just said simply knowing this, being filled with this, will result in walking in a way that's worthy of him. <clears throat> I also want to say that he didn't give us a list of behaviors so that we can work on them. The list that's to follow here in the text we've already read is a list of the fruit that comes out of our relationship with God. Abiding in him is what produces fruit, according to John 15. According to Galatians chapter 5. The list that, I, that we're reading here today is a measure for us, a standard for us, a reflection for us of what our relationship with God is. It says in the text in the verse there that, uh, that he fills us for the purpose of walking worthy. And then he describes what that worthy, walking worthy looks like. But that list that is there is, is, a, is a standard for me, uh, a reflection for me of understanding what is my relationship with God like. I read 1 Corinthians 13 and I read the description of love. And I can go down the fence and he says, love is, love is, love is not, love is. And I replace that that those verse the word of love with my name I said Ed is Ed is Ed is not Ed is and I said that's a standard for me a measure of, of where am I in my relationship with God and what is the fruit that's coming out of my life I read Galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness self-control that's the fruit of the spirit those aren't characteristics that God wants me to work on Now, you're being called, we're being called, to be intentional this year. But the intentionality that's going to produce fruit is the intentionality to pursue God. And the intentionality to pursue a relationship with Him. We have fruit trees in our backyard. We have a lemon tree. It just won't quit. It's a mire. It, it must have lemons on it, 100 plus 200, every month of the year. 
And if you wait just long enough for them, they are so sweet you can eat them like an orange. They're not bitter. You can make lemonade without sugar. Well, a little sugar. <clears throat> and just down a short ways from the lemon tree, we have a peach tree. <clears throat> it had uh, <clears throat> excuse me, several hundred peaches on it this year for the first time in eight. We put up with it for four years. No peaches, one peach, four peaches, and then 12, and then none, and now probably in the approximation of 400 peaches this last summer. We picked them, chopped them up, frozen. Our freezer's full of peaches. I guess we can make cobbler out of them, right? Or jam or jelly, I don't know. But we have all those peaches. But <clears throat> wasn't anything we could do that, per, that made fruit on those trees. We, couldn't, we could have hung peaches on a tree we bought at the store, I guess. But that wouldn't have been fruit from that tree. The fruit was the natural consequence of life and health in that tree. And there's different kinds of fruit given different kind of tree. And in our lives spiritually, the picture for us in Scripture is that there's fruit that represents the presence of God in a person's life. And there's fruit that doesn't represent the presence of God in a person's life. I want my life to be honorable to God. I want what comes out of my life to be fruit, evidence of his presence. And when that fruit is not like him, my response, according to scripture, is to repent and come to him. That I may be forgiven, cleansed, made anew. And grateful for Jeremiah and his writing in Lamentations that that grace of God, his mercy, is new every morning. I thought that was really cool until I realized that that's really a necessity for Ed. I need that mercy new every morning. So our work... And producing fruit in our life is to pursue God. To learn more of Him in His Word. To talk with Him about everything all the time. Yield to Him, be obedient to Him, dependent on Him, and expectant that He is alive and at work in me and us. So what does walking in a worthy manner look like? A standard by which I can judge myself? I read walking in a worthy manner. First, is it that I'm pleasing the Lord in everything? Now, how am I going to know what pleases the Lord if I don't know his book? If I don't know what he said to us? So I need to be intentional about pursuing my understanding of what pleases God and choose to do that. 
but I will want to do that if I have a life, a living relationship with him. I'll be bearing fruit in every good work. Good things will come out of the, 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 the work of my life, the investment of my time and, and things. Good things will come out of that when I'm in relationship with the Lord. And that's worthy and honorable to him. It brings understanding to me in, in Jesus' statement to the, to the people that were gathered there at the, what they called Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Let your light so shine that men will see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. They'll see evidence of God in your life by the generosity and kindness and care that you give. That we'll be increasing in knowledge of God. We're never done learning, but we're always in the pursuit and always learning. I taught through the book of Colossians. I was pastoring the church in Orange in 1995. I'm back looking at it again and preparing, you know, in my time and speaking with you and just a whole bunch of things have jumped off the page I didn't see before. Every time you go back to the book, it comes alive in a given moment for you and the spirit makes it alive to you. We'll be strengthened with all power according to God's might. And we'll be strengthened for the purpose of attaining steadfastness that we're grounded in our faith. That our priority is to stand in Him and to trust in Him and to act on His Word. We're not tossed about by the ways of the sea. We're strengthened by God and all power for the attaining of patience in our life. Learning how to rest in God's ability and God's timing in everything. Patience. And I can look to say, how am I doing it walking in a worthy manner by asking, is what I'm doing pleasing to the Lord? Is it bearing fruit? Am I increasing in knowledge of God? Do I understand the strength and confidence that comes that allows me to stand fast in all, regardless of the situations of my life and that I can do that with patience? That's the killer, huh? Sorry, I had to bring Carla with me today. She knows the, the challenge of my life when it comes to patience, you know, if it's right now is the right time. Uh, tomorrow may be too late. Now is the time. But my time is not necessarily God's timing. That it might attain to patience and, in result, joyously giving thanks. But I ask the question: For what? Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You understand qualifying? It depends on our performance. An example would be this. I qualify for a driver's license because I perform for the, the, the examiner. And I did it to his level of expectation. And, and so I am qualified to drive now. I get a driver's license. I'm qualified. Uh, I want to enter into a college or university. The question is, am I qualified to do that? So I have to give them all my paperwork and all my grades and all my stuff, and they decide if I'm qualified to enter their institution. It's all based on what I do or have done. Um, 
qualifying um, and competing in any kind of sports championship. You, you play the game enough, you perform at a high enough level that you get to compete with the other person who's the closest to you to find out who's the champion. But qualifying, in our mind in English, almost always implies some kind of performance level for us. But that's not the qualification that's in this text. Our being qualified before God is not our effort. And that's the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that we can't do well enough in anything to qualify for a share in an eternal inheritance. The inheritance of heaven, of eternal life, a personal relationship with God. These are all a gracious gift from God. He declares us qualified on the basis of his son's sacrifice for us on the cross. I don't care who you are present here right now. God says you are qualified to be mine and to to claim my name and to walk in a way that's worthy. Because Jesus has taken any kind of condemnation that can come against you, any kind of accusation that can come against you, he took that and nailed it to his cross with himself. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are his. He has qualified you in his son. Believe that, and it's your gift. I can be a believer for 50 years, and I have to come back and recognize that in a given situation in my life, day in and day out. I'm not deserving of this grace. It's his gift. Because he loves us and is in pursuit of us. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Christ. Paul told the Philippians. A relationship with God and the hope of eternal life is not based on performance, but it's rather based on a promise. God's promise. A promise to receive all who seek him and receive him. Who recognize their need and that align themselves with Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. This is a source of great joy for all who believe. Understanding that we are helpless is also a basis of forgiveness and right relationship among us. None of us have it all together. All of us fail. And just as God in grace forgives us, we too must have an open heart that receives and is gracious. There isn't anything that happens in our life that God doesn't know about. And there isn't anyone present here whom he doesn't love. Well, we're going to find out how this plays out in a whole lot of areas of life as we look on further into Colossians and uh, Looking forward to the time we'll spend with you here doing that. Father, thank you so much for this morning, for your word. Thank you for what you prompted in Paul's heart in writing this letter to the believers in Colossae.
and that by your sovereign uh, design made this letter available to us today to know your heart for your people, for us. Help us, Lord, to be intentional in our pursuit of you. That this fruit would be present in our lives because of you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in Jesus.